Hi, I'm Peggy Robinson. Welcome to NDE TV. Today's guest is Dr. Colin Perry, and he's a professor in media, and he has a PhD in media. That's right, yes. That's awesome. And uh, you're going to tell us about your near-death experience today. That's right. Looking forward to it. Okay. Um, so you can start wherever you like, if you want to give some background or if you just want to jump into it. Oh, look, it's, um, it happened when I was 49 years old. So we, we're talking 2008. And I think I'll just start by saying, you know, sometimes people say, why do you wait so long before you talk about this? I, I think a lot of people who've had NDEs can back me up on this, that the initial response is that you want to tell the world and you want to tell everybody because it's so amazing and you start doing that and you are met with some very negative responses and some, some you know, scepticism and all, all sorts of uh, sort of kickback against your experience. Uh, so look, that, that sort of dissuaded me for a while. I, I thought, hmm, maybe I shouldn't talk about this too much because there was quite a lot of flack that I was receiving um, from people. So I did wait for a while, but look, over time, the pressure within me to share this information just built and built and built because I, I realized, look, this is unique experience. Although there are many thousands of people who've experienced things like this, there's not enough people talking about it. There's not enough people bringing it to light. So I decided to, to write a book and I wrote the book, Dying to be Alive under the author name C. Thomas Perry, and that, that's available now on Amazon and uh, other booksellers. Uh, and I wrote that in 2015. So it's just been steadily getting out there ever since. And, and it's really important to me to just get the message out. And I think you'll yeah. understand why by the time we finish. So, um, yes, I was 49 years of age. Look, I've been through some incredibly difficult times in, in years prior to this. I had a... Uh, a daughter who was hit by a car at seven and she was profoundly brain injured and, and spent many years in a wheelchair unable to walk or talk but still mentally functioning quite well and, and able to communicate with one hand and, and make a few signs and things like that so we we did communicate quite well but that was a difficult path and a hard path I, i'd been a believer in god all my life but i found this particular aspect of my life to be pretty tough and, and I was, was quite angry with God, I guess, really, and um, eventually came to terms with the fact that, look, these things just happen sometimes and there's not a lot you can do about it and you've just got to make the best of your life and live with it. So I worked through that. I was also um, really harassed by a cult here in Australia, um, a cult called The Family, which I believe also operated in the Catskills outside New York. So uh, they, they were quite a detrimental factor in my life too I don't really want to go into too many details there okay. but uh, that, that was sort of sources of fear I guess in my life and, and sources of doubt that made me doubt God and doubt God in in looking after me I guess um, but look by the time I was in my 40s I'd sort of worked through these things and, and got away from the cult and reconciled myself to the fact that yeah my daughter was was permanently brain injured and that I just really needed to get on with my life and to get on with my relationship with God which I which I did although I wasn't extremely happy at this point in time because I'd been divorced about three or four years previous and uh, was living alone and seeing my kids fortnightly and uh, you know life wasn't altogether great 
so I was in a little bit of, um, I, I guess, a state of inner turbulence and, and not entirely comfortable with where I was at at that point. So we're talking about May, May 25th, 2008. Um, the previous week, I'd started to experience chest pains and uh, went to see a doctor and expressed my concern that, look, this was worrying me that, that uh, I was you know, feeling something in my chest. I didn't quite know whether it was lungs or heart or, or what was going on. So they ran some ECG tests on me and we, we were waiting for results. Uh, and she just said to me, look, just take it easy. Uh, don't do too much physically. Uh, don't push yourself. She said, I don't think it's anything to do with your heart, but it might be. So, so just be careful. So I did. I, I spent about a week where I was relaxing and not doing terribly much. And after about a week, I actually started to feel a bit better. So I thought, look, I, my garden is just getting out of control. The weeds uh, are far too high and I cannot leave this any longer. So I went out and got the, uh, the trimmer and uh, you know, started to pull on the cord to, to get this machine going. And um, anyone who's had those machines knows they can be a little bit stubborn. Yes. And uh, so I kept pulling and it, it just would not start. And I was getting angry with the thing and pulling harder and harder on the cord. And um, as I was doing that, suddenly out of nowhere, this massive cramping sensation right across my chest. Uh, it was it was very strong. It was very frightening when it happened. Um, and just as it happened, I heard this voice, this very loud voice. I, I don't imagine it was audible, but it, it certainly felt audible to me. Uh, this very loud voice just said to me, you are going to die, but I have things for you to do. Which in itself was a very confusing statement. I said, whoa, what are you saying here? I'm going to die. but you have things for me to do. So <laughs> and this voice just said to me, um, just go inside and pack a bag and call an ambulance and get ready. So, okay, so I, I did. I went inside and packed a few belongings and called an ambulance and said, I think I'm having a heart attack. Please, please come and get me. I was alone at the time, which was also pretty scary. It was quite, a, quite a fearful alone. position to be in. Yeah. So I thought, well, if I go unconscious, I'm, I'm gone. There's nobody here to help. So, yeah, look, they, they rolled up in about, I guess, 10 minutes, which was great, uh, and came in the door and, and uh, two guys, one of them was on his first day. He was the rookie, the, the, the brand new uh, ambulance attendant. I was his first job. And uh, so he was basically doing the work on me while the more experienced guy was supervising him. And he, you know, took my pulse and blood pressure and uh, said, look, we don't know if you're having a heart attack or not, but we're going to treat you as if you are just to be safe. So they injected me with morphine and gave me nitroglycerol, which lowers your blood pressure uh, and put me on the, the trolley and, and took me out into the ambulance and away we went. Uh, on the way to the hospital, he said, look, I'm, I'm going to give you another shot of morphine and another nitroglycerol tablet and uh, he said you might get a bit dizzy or whatever so he did that and um, just afterwards I did start to feel dizzy and I said I, I think I'm going to pass out I knew the feeling I've passed out before in my life um, and then quite quickly that was it bang I was gone um, and I just found myself floating in darkness uh, I've passed out before but nothing like this 
I was just floating in darkness. It was as if I was in water, in complete darkness. There was no sensation. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't hear anything. It was just a total blackout. And I was just floating in this very light, dreamy sort of state, not quite sure what was going on. It took me a while to adjust, probably a couple of minutes it felt like to adjust to what was going on. And um, I suddenly start to think, this is not normal. This is not normally what happens when you black out. I'm very much aware. I'm very much myself. I'm floating in darkness. What's going on here? And I continued to float. And as this was happening, I began to realize, hey, I think I've died. I think I've actually passed through. I'm no longer in my body. And uh, I, with that, I started to get a little bit fearful and a little bit scared of, of the situation. So, you know, I'd, hoped, I'd hoped everything would go perfectly wonderfully when I died. But uh, this wasn't at all what I'd expected. So I was floating along and, and getting fearful. But as I started to fear, I actually started to drift downward. So I could actually sense downward in this environment. And I, I just felt and looked down and I could just feel that there was this bottomless black pit, just absolutely bottomless and black and dark. And I did not want to go there. And this sensation made me very, very afraid. So I, um, I just called out, I was a Christian and I just called out Jesus, Jesus, help me. I called it out with everything I had, everything in my being. And I continued to drift and I continued to drift down and, I continued to cry out to him and, and uh, before too long, uh, this hand just came and just grabbed me by the forearm, very strong and said, you don't want to go that way and started to lift me up at an enormous rate. And I felt myself flying upward and I could see vague blurred images. I don't know if you've ever watched a Star Trek, it was a bit like going into you know hyper hyper speed <laughs> that's how my tunnel was too i thought of star trek yeah. is anything my mind could compare it to yeah 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 things were just sort of whooshing past me lights and and uh, other things that i couldn't get a clear enough view to see what it was but uh, enough to say i was moving very very quickly upward and he was literally just pulling me with with this amazing strength and uh, this, this went on for a while. It once again, felt like a minute or two. And then eventually we came to rest and, and I just gradually became aware of what was around me. And, and then I realized there was about five or six glowing, beautiful angelic beings just standing around me. Uh, and they were quite tall. They, they just emanated this feeling of absolute Wisdom is the best way I can put it. I, I just was in awe of who these beings were and, and what wisdom and knowledge they seemed to just be transmitting to me. I felt very small. I, I felt like a, an infant in their presence. I just knew and felt entirely that these beings were just way beyond me in every sense possible. Uh, so I, I just sort of stayed there for a while and adjusted and, and they then um, started to, I don't know, communicate with me. And it, it wasn't verbal communication. There was no verbal communication, but I clearly heard their thoughts in my head and they obviously could clearly hear mine. 
So uh, eventually the one who had, had carried me up there says, um, you know, you've died, you're not in heaven, we've come out to meet you because we need to talk to you and say, you can either choose to come with us and go on into paradise and stay there forever, or you can choose to go back to your life on earth and um, the choice is yours. You need to make a choice at this point, which was quite big um, because at this time I was beginning to feel the most incredible sensations and emotions and, and this overpowering feeling of love was just pouring out of these beings, particularly the one who'd come and, and got me, you know, was just absolutely pouring out of them. I felt as if my heart was going to burst with the, the love that was just coming from these beings. I have never felt so loved. I have never felt so at home. I've never felt so content. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. This, this was the nearest thing I can equate to was, was as a small child lying in the arms of my mother and just being loved on. You know, that was how the whole thing felt, but far, far bigger than that, far, far greater than that. So I was enjoying this. This was what I was born for. This was just absolute perfection and bliss. And I could not have wished for anything better. And I had to then make a decision and decide, well, am I going to stay in this wonderful, wonderful place with these incredible beings or am I going to go back to my life on earth? And I started to think of my children. Of course, I had my daughter in, in the wheelchair. I had other four other children who, who were quite, you know, ranging from eight up to about 20 something, I guess. Uh, and um, there was, you know, really a, a torment in my soul about leaving them behind. It was a young son, a couple of teenage daughters and an older son. And I thought, it's not fair to leave them. It's not fair to leave them behind without a father. And, and the grief they would go through, um, I, I just didn't feel good about that. So I said, look, I, I think, I really do think I need to return. I, I just feel my life is not finished on earth. I didn't feel like, I don't know, some people might believe in life contracts, you know, I didn't feel like my contract was done. I didn't feel like my work was complete. So I, I sort of shared that with, with him and he said, um, yeah, okay, well, we'll just have to do a few things and then we'll send you back. And he looked to one of the angels and said, go and check the vessel by which he was referring to my body. And at this point, an angel took off and flew away. And I actually could see this angel flying away. And, and in the distance, I could see my body in the ambulance. I don't know how, but I could actually see my body in the ambulance and, and the ambulance workers were all milling around and trying to you know, resuscitate me and get me going. Uh, and this angel just drifted down. And it was the strangest feeling to be there sitting in this sort of heavenly, beautiful, cloudy environment and, and see myself on, on a, an ambulance as a dead body off in the distance. Anyway, this is what happened. So the ambulance flew down and I could see the, the, the angel, sorry, flew down to the ambulance. I could see the angel sort of working in and out and around my body and, and checking me out. And were you still in the heavenly realm, like looking down, yeah, watching the angel do that? Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I um, sort of turned my attention and I, and I said to the, the one who came to get me, look, look, who are you? And he said, I'm, I'm the one you call Lord. And at this point, 
well, I realized this was Jesus. Because, uh, like, he didn't come out with flashing neon signs saying, I am Jesus. He, he oh. was just this amazing, beautiful being in, in a white robe, um, slightly glowing and fairly normal face, beard, longish hair, just like we imagine him. Um, average sort of Middle Eastern looking face. His appearance, a lot of people ask me, why did he look like? Uh, and I always answer the same way. What he looked like is not the important issue. The important issue is who he was and what sort of power and love and wisdom he had just pouring out of him. Uh, and it was overwhelming. Um, it just was so good to be with him that I just did not want to be anywhere else. So I, I just sort of, it all hit me at that point where I was and who I was with and what was going on. Um, so I just sort of said, wow, I just sort of fell down in front of him as much as you can in this spiritual state, but it felt as if I still had a body. So I just sort of fell down in front of him and started like worshipping him. And because um, he, he was really worthy of that, you know, I really didn't feel strange about doing that. It was the most natural thing in the world to do. And he sort of looked down and pulled me up and he said, look, I've got you here for a small time. I need to do some work on you. Um, he, he knew I'd been damaged. He knew I'd been damaged by grief with what had happened to my daughter. He knew I'd been damaged because the people in the cult had actually drugged me very, very heavily and caused me all sorts of physical damage by doing that. And um, I felt him actually come into me, into my soul, into my being and start to shift things around and, and work on me. Uh, and he was like healing my soul, healing me inside. And I could feel in a, in a very strange but beautiful way, I could, I could feel a lot of blockages and, and strongholds and all sorts of mental barriers just being removed and being pulled away as he, as he actually worked on me. And while he was doing it, I had the most fantastic experience because I could feel him. I could feel who he was and I could feel his awareness inside me. And I was blown away with the scale of what this being is and, and what he knows and what he's capable of. Um, it was the most brilliant experience to just know that at that point I could have looked anywhere in the universe and known what was going on at any point. It was as if he was above time, he was above space. All of those things meant nothing to him. He, he was able to see what was under a rock in California. He was able to look at a kangaroo in central Australia. He, he knew all things. And I just got a little quick taste of that, that incredible power and that incredible magnificence that exists within him. And I just was incredibly impressed by this. This, is, yeah. this was the one thing that has stuck with me more than anything else, was just to know the, the scale of who Jesus is and, and what he is in the heavenly realm. So that was, that was a stunning experience. That's something I will never leave behind and, and hopefully I'll return to one day. So, uh, yeah, he finished that, that sort of healing process on me and I felt much better. I felt much more restored. Um, there was a point where just prior to that, where I actually got quite afraid when they asked me if I was going to go back. And um, the, the angels were really disturbed by my fear. They didn't like the fear at all. And they all came towards me and said, no, please calm down and actually calmed me down because they said, there's no fear in this place. 
this is not something we're used to. So please, you know, control your fear and, and let the joy and let the love flow through you because that is, that is the natural state here, which I found very interesting also that they just live in love and joy and peace. That is, that is the natural state of existence that they have. Um, anyway, at, the, at this point, uh, there was uh, eventually an angel that, that he sent down, flew back up to us and said, the vessel is good, which meant, yeah, it was, it was okay for him to send me back. And so uh, Jesus came to me and said, look, we, we're ready to send you back, but there are things I need to sort of talk with you about first. And he, he started to say to me, um, if you were to go with us now, it's guaranteed you, you are through. You're through into paradise, paradise. But he said, you're going to encounter, you know, a lot of things in your life back on earth. It, it's, um, you know, a difficult place to be. As you know, it's a difficult life to live. So it's up to you. It's the choices you make. It's what you do with your faith and your belief and how you maintain your life on earth that will determine whether you come back to us or not. So I said, you know, the responsibility is on you to make the right choices. The responsibility is on you to, to keep on believing. Um, and, and live your life walking the right path and that was what he told me and then he he actually took me aside and started to show me things which hadn't happened yet it was like looking through a veil to a video screen it, it was a very weird experience he was showing things to the angels and discussing with them what was what was going to come to pass and talking about different things some things he said no he shouldn't see this and, and took you know, pointed me away from it. Other things he showed me, um, they were people I would meet. They were, they were things that would happen in my life. And yeah, um, some of those things indeed did come to pass and, and people that I met, yes, definitely. They were showing me my future, which was quite amazing to see. And then to have it play out in my life when I came back was even more amazing. Like, People ask me, you know, do you believe in Jesus? I, I can say, no, I don't believe in Jesus. I, no. I know Jesus. I, I know right. he's real because he's active in my life. He's shown me these things. He's done these amazing things for me. So for me, it's not even a question of faith. It's a question of this incredible being who I met. And, uh, you know, the important thing in my life, and I think one of the things he told me I should do when I come back is to spread the word as much as possible about the heavenly realm and the angels and and the beauty and the joy and the love and the peace that's there waiting for us uh, you know if we if we live our lives right yeah that that's <laughs> a long monologue that's but, uh, that's pretty a good detailed experience i mean i uh resonate with a lot of yours which i don't most into ease because the feeling in the tunnel that real fast speed and the feeling of not really be able to see stuff that you were wasn't by, but um, the Star Wars kind of effect to it. And, and um, I think I was where you were. It's like, I didn't, I felt like I was an entry place. Like if I would have stayed, I would went on further. And, um, and there was beans there. Um, my, I call panel of people because they were, they were around me like you, they were in a, like a flat line with another row up front. But and then also, too, which I didn't realize about your story that I identify with is when you were in heaven, you saw the angel drop down to check on your vessel. That's how 
Jesus and I drop down to see my sons in the future, if I died, how they would be. And so I know what that feels like, that leaving and dropping down, even though, you know, you saw her do it, but it just like confirms in me, you know, I just like, oh, I could just feel that drop down again. It's just, <laughs> and I had tele telepathic communication with God. And Jesus mm -hmm. in mind was, first I saw him was, from behind and he was the only physical body i saw it was just like a man a lot of details in my memory it's just a man with this brown kind of like shoulder maybe wavy area and i can't tell you what he's wearing or anything but it was standing there still from behind and i knew i was to join him and then bam we dropped down and then it was just together with him going down and quickly down we were there and then back up, but we come back up. He was sitting beside God and I was just sobbing at his feet. So I resonate, yours is bringing back my memory so much. Yeah. Because like we were at the same place, we experienced so much similar. Mm. And it's so hard to find anybody in this world that yeah. was there where you were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm amazed by how many people have had similar experiences, um, but they don't talk about it. As I said before, I think because they're afraid of what people will say. And, and it is difficult to come out publicly and, and talk about this stuff. I'm sure you've found the same thing, that, that you do cop a lot from people. But uh, I think I reached a point about when I wrote the book in about 2015, I just reached a point where I said, well, I don't care anymore. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to bring this into the public eye because it's too important for people not to be aware. People need to know about this. Particularly, I find people who've lost loved ones, um, people who are go going towards death, um, have, you know, terminal illness, et cetera. Like this is, this is really important for people like that to know about. It, it gives them something to really hang on to and, and believe in, you know, at those hard times. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons God sent me back, you know, was to, was to help to, to get the word out and to help people be aware and hopefully bring them to a better place. And, you know, there's few mean comments now and then, but, you know, mostly, you know, the comments are good. And, and the comments that touch me the most are the ones that um, kind of went away from their uh, Christianity. Um, say they had a death in the family, you know, a, a child died, a husband died, or just too many people died. Um, too much stuff just went on and they got away and they listened to these stories and it brings them back. Yeah. And I can't think of a better feeling in the world to know you had a hand in that. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some interviews recently. I just received a few emails from people in exactly that situation who wandered away, but, but saw my interview and it really brought them back again, which is just such a good feeling to know that, you know, it's helping people to, to get in touch with God and, and to connect with God. I mean, my story didn't stop there. My story didn't stop when I came back. Okay. Um, it was even in the hospital um, for a while, the veil was very thin. I was still hearing angel voices for days. Um, they were still speaking to me and telling me things. Incredible stuff was happening. And um, they told me someone I was going to meet was within a kilometre of where I was lying in the hospital. And sure enough, a couple of weeks later, I did meet a particularly important person in my life who lived very close to the hospital. Uh, they told me we've repaired three of your arteries, but there's one we cannot or will not repair. 
Um, I'm not sure why, but I can speculate, but they told me this. And then when I actually got into theatre and they, they actually inserted a stent in my heart, the doctor said to me afterwards, and this was the head cardiologist, he said to me, you're, you're one of these very lucky people who can grow other arteries around blocked arteries. He said, you've had heart trouble in the past and your arteries have rerouted around and, and rebuilt new artery paths in, in your heart. He said, you're a very lucky man. And I thought to myself, I don't know about lucky. I, I think maybe these angels were doing some incredible stuff there in my heart that, that just restored it. Um, I believe the reason they didn't repair the one that needed the stent was that, well, quite frankly, I had to have a story to tell. If, if my heart was completely repaired, I would have been um, you know, let out of hospital and there would have been no no heart attack, no nothing to base all of this on. And, uh, you know, it, it's actually a very important part of getting this knowledge out was that that heart attack did occur and that I did um, actually require medical treatment, etc. So I think that's why maybe they didn't do the complete healing on me uh, was, was to, I may not have been here today talking about it if they had done that. Uh, and, and that is important. I really do believe that's important in the bigger picture. It seems to me they must know, I mean, because God is omniscient, that who's going to eventually talk, even though we may not for decades, but who eventually will start sharing, helping other people share. And, you know, it makes me think maybe that's why we were sent back is to share. Because, you know, like say first few moments I was in the bright white light before I saw anything, I thought, wow, it's real. And, you know, God, I said, you need to start sending people back, tell people it's real because the Bible's old and outdated. I mean, I was 25, you know, spunky, just way I was talking to God. And then, you know, and, you know, I think of all the people that come back now and, and maybe mm -hmm. did before and just, you know, wasn't able to tell. That's interesting. The Apostle Paul certainly, certainly talked about it. He said, you know, uh, he was sort of slightly avoiding it. He said, you know, I know of a man who went to the third heaven and saw things that he just couldn't describe with words, that he couldn't utter. Yeah. Um, and I know exactly how that feels. I, I try to describe what I experienced there, but the words just are not adequate to, to describe exactly how big and wonderful that experience is. And I would like to also point out that we, we think of this reality as being it, as being the universe. But... Having gone outside of this reality to that, that heavenly realm, um, this is a very inferior dimension that we live on in, in terms of in comparison to what I experienced and what others have experienced. It, it's very hard to describe, but it felt more real than this life. Yeah. It felt more significant than this life. It felt better in every way than this life it, that I could imagine. Just being in this beautiful light spiritual body was such a, a beautiful experience. When I came back into my body and hit that ambulance, it was like hitting a concrete block. It was very, very rough and heavy. And um, it, it felt, physicality felt really bad when I first came back into it. Not only because I'd had a heart attack, but just because of what it is, so being in a physical body in a physical world. Jesus, I was like it? you too. I had to come back for my yeah. kids. Yeah. And, and what was your experience when you, when you first ended back in? 
Mine was, I was in the emergency room uh, in the wheelchair and I was like you too. I thought I was passing out yeah. and my head dropped to my chest. Then suddenly I was, I didn't go down like you did, but I was in a tunnel, shh, like going real fast yeah. up. But when I come back to my body, um, I didn't talk about it for a long time because there's, I would say, you know, I was in heaven and I said, who else will teach them about you to Jesus? And then I'm back in that wheelchair. That's what I always said. But then I started noticing there's this tiny little glip that I didn't talk about for a long time. Um, but I was at the fluorescent light um, in the ceiling of the hospital emergency room for just a second. And I remember something's talking to me saying, get back in. And I could see my body humped over the back of me in the wheelchair, way down below. And I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. I said, just do it. And then, so I'm back in my body. And the first thing come back was my hearing. I heard the nurse talking to another nurse. And then um, my, before I passed out, I'd lost contact with my body. I couldn't feel my hands on the armrest. That come back. First come my hearing. And then I felt my hands on the armrest. And I felt this warmth going through my body down and something said once you feel your feet you're all the way back and i felt my feet on the pedals of the wheelchair mm. Mm. yeah for me I, I just felt oh boy here i am back again <laughs> you <laughs> had, still had pain my pain was gone i had pain and then it faded right before i got to the emergency room so mm. i didn't have my pain until later on that night we'd start out and i'd pass out again and but, but you had your the pain was yeah the pain was still there for me but the fear wasn't, um, you know, obviously having a heart attack and being on the brink of death. Yes, it's, it's frightening. It's very frightening. But once I returned back in, the fear was gone uh, completely. And I just thought, well, if I die, great. <laughs> if I die so much the better, uh, there's something wonderful there waiting if I do die. So at, at that point, I've really looked, my, my fear of death has gone down several notches. I, I really... Uh, almost look forward to it. Uh, I think if it if it comes, that's that's really good because I, I hope and pray and believe that I'll be going back, meeting those same angels, that same Jesus, and that's something to look forward to. It, it's something wonderful. Mm. Now I can only imagine what how confusing that must have seemed when you were first dying and you were told you're dying, but I got something for you to do. Like, what do you want from me? I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, it was that way. Definitely, yeah. But now I understand fully exactly what he was saying. You know, like, yes, I died. Yep, he's got things for me to do. So, so here I am doing my best to uh, to complete that. So afterwards, what was that like? The recognition of this happened. Did you just tuck it away? Did you talk about it right away? Or I talked about it right away. I very quickly realized some of the nursing staff were really interested. Others in the nursing staff were, oh boy, you know, oh boy, we've got one here. <laughs> um, as with the doctors, yes, and the doctors were all very, you know, theoretical. And yes, we we know we've heard of this, and it's likely to be hallucinations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and going through their explanations. Um, so I didn't bother them with it much further. But people I knew, yes, I did start to talk about it. It was, it was a weird thing coming back into my life, having had that experience that was so profound and, and life-changing and, and massive that, that um, you really do feel like you want to shout it from the rooftops. But, uh, you know, so many people just 
Oh, right. Okay. All right. Don't know what to make of that is, is a pretty standard response. Some people are intrigued by it and want to look into it and want to know more about it. And others just want to run in the other direction. So, so it's a tough one. Um, but it's one I would really like to see more people talking about. And uh, look, I've recently started reading a really good book that's selling very well. It's called Imagine Heaven uh, by John Burke, I think his name is. It's a good summary of a lot of people's different experiences. And I would recommend that. I'd recommend you read my book too. Uh, but do some reading on this because once you do, you'll realise there's just so many people have experienced this. Not only have many people experienced it, but it's consistent. The stories all match up. It's not some illusion. It's not some hallucination. There is a real consistent experience among people, um, which just indicates, yes, this is true. There is another dimension called heaven. There is a being called Jesus. There is God. There is angels. This is all in existence and factual and true. The only reason science doesn't believe in it is that science requires physical proof and these are not physical beings and it is not a physical place. So uh, it actually requires faith unless you go there, in which case you don't quite need the same faith because you, you know for a fact that it's there. Why do you think you went down in the beginning? I think it was the state of fear I was in. Look, I've read a few other experiences of people going down and then being picked up by a light or by a person. And that's not an uncommon experience. It, it's like that's the natural direction maybe we're heading in, but God, with his concern for us, lifts us up. So the Bible also says um, anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's what I did. I called on the name of the Lord. I was saved. Uh, so th this is really something we've got to start thinking about. Um, these angelic beings, Jesus, they, they hear what we say and what we think. They know what we say and what we think. They're, we can communicate with them. The thing we call prayer is telepathic communication, and they can hear what, what our thoughts are and what our requests are and what our needs are. They can't, they can't and don't always just give us exactly what we ask for, but they're aware. They are aware and they know what we need. Um, it, it's a very comforting thought. It's a very beautiful thought to know there's a God that, that has this deep, deep, rich love for us. He now, created I think, us. He's, yeah, you go. I think you said something about like a TV screen, movie screen, something opened up, you saw. You yeah. See, I experienced something similar to that too in both mm -hmm. my NDEs where a scene opened up and it was like a living action scene yeah what one, one my drawing was a memory but then the um, in the e it was just a scene that opened up just to teach me something that i don't know who those people were yeah. but and i find that interesting how they can just make something appear and know exactly what you need to learn and know and use that as a teaching tool yeah look in my book i use a bit of a metaphor about that it's as if in this world, we're on a highway, okay? We're on this flat surface, this flat plane, and everyone, all of our world is just on this flat highway. And we're, we're driving along, that's time. We're just driving driving along through time. But it's as if God's up there in a helicopter and he's not on this same level. He's removed from that. He can see way up ahead. He can see exactly what's coming. He can see everything that's going to occur. 
He knows everything that's occurred in the past. And, and the beautiful thought, he's going to be waiting up there at the end for us to meet us anyway. Uh, but his, his awareness is well beyond time. And they say at night, our dreams, when we sleep, you know, our memories are being stored. And it just seems like when we have near-death experience and we experience whether it's, you know, memory being shown to teach us or something, or a life review, it makes us so aware of how our memories are stored, even stuff we may not remember. Like some people going through the tunnel, they'll be showing their life things that they even forgot about. And that maybe even later confirmed with their family. Oh yeah, that happened or something. It's like they, and so they're just stored and used and it's just so highly intelligent. It's just mind blowing. Mm. As I said, it makes me feel like a little child in the presence of such wisdom, you know, like it's, yeah. it's so much beyond and above what we are here. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, people that say, we are God, you are God. I have people say that on my podcast. And I'm like, no way. I couldn't create one blade of grass. Yeah. He, look, I will say he is within us. I am very confident of that. If we choose yeah. to let him in, he lives oh, yes. inside us. He's part yeah. of us. I really do believe that. But I am not God. No, no. <laughs> Far from it. But, um, but I love. Well, it. I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you didn't get to cover that you'd like to? Look, I think I've I've covered most of it. Um, I think it's really important. You were talking about dreams. Look, I've experienced even before this NDE. I've experienced in dreams um, precognizance, prophetic dreams, dreams that were telling me things were going to happen. Before my daughter was hit by a car, I had three dreams of my child being hit on a school crossing by a car. And uh, it came true. Uh, I, I even went as far as, as warning my, my previous wife uh, that I'm having these dreams and I really believe there's something dangerous going to happen here. And it did. Uh, so dreams can be so much more than just storing memories. I believe they can be a window into the future. They can be all sorts of different things. And I think they're just a little a little glimpse into the spiritual realm uh, where it's beyond time. Uh, and I think there's a lot more to it than we can fully understand. So I, I would just encourage people watching this to be open, be open to understanding that, that there's so much more to life than what's physical and scientific and that, that God will find ways to communicate with you and to open up your awareness, even, even like visions, um, meditating not in the eastern sense but meditating in the sense of just allowing god to enter into you and show you things and and i've experienced that several times since this and uh, he's shown me some quite interesting things and taken me some quite interesting places just realizing that i am a spirit i'm not just a body i am actually a spirit and god can take me in spirit places this is not astral traveling i don't i don't push that side right. of things but uh, God can reveal things to you in the spirit that, uh, that can really be powerful and can change your life. So I would just say be open. If you're a believer in God, then ask God to show you. Ask him to open your eyes and your ears and, and communicate with you because uh, it's a wonderful experience when he does. And that is uh, something I think we have to train ourselves 
to be aware of the telepathic communication, aware of the visions, aware of the dreams, because we dismiss so much all the time. Yeah. Oh, that was just silly. Oh, that doesn't make sense. And like my thing sometimes is when I wake up with a song in my head that I haven't heard in years and suddenly I know all the words and they're just coming in my head and, and I, you know, like, Google that song and listen to it and like understand this deep meaning. And it just feels like it was this message that I was supposed to get. And it's gotten to the point where I just feel a little sad about something. I'll send this song will pop in my head and I'll go on YouTube and listen to it. And it just, it's so fitting to the moment. Like I couldn't have sat here and picked a song. What fit would fit my moment, right? You know, and um, there's so much beauty in that. If we just train our mind to trust and listen. A lot of it is just about being open, being receptive, yeah. trusting, yeah. trusting that, that God is there and he's got your best interests at heart. Well, there's, a great, there's a great verse in, in the book of Romans says, you know, all things work together for good for those who put their trust in the Lord, you know, and he, he really does have our best interests at heart and he really does want to look after us. We've just got to let him. Yeah. And people often say without thinking about it, something told me, you know, not to trust this man or not to go in there, or not to get in that car or something. Something just told me. And sometimes we're just like, ah, and like, okay, if you're doing, ah, you know, just what are you saying no to? You were just saying no to something that wasn't you that was coming on, coming in. And, it, and I think, you know, if you train yourself to, to stop and recognize, wait a minute, Cause I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, shut up. And I'm like, what are you telling to shut up? And what was, what was just talking to you? Like, oh, maybe I need to call this person and see if they're okay. Yeah. And so true. it's, it's just, um, it's just, uh, I don't know what word it is, you know, just being aware of it. But um, like you say, through meditation, some people get it. Mine's through prayer and paying attention. Mm. So, but it's, it's there regardless of what we call it. And, uh, yeah yeah look I, I think what you say about just prayer and paying attention is, is really really important and, and listening often the, the tiniest little thoughts that come into your mind some of them are from god some of them are god telling you things and it's usually very quiet and very subtle and very small but if you listen to those little subtle small voices and carefully not, not if it's telling you to do something crazy. No, there's dark right. forces out there trying to tell you stupid things as well. But if, if you know, you hear things in your soul, in your spirit that are telling you to go left or go right or try talking to this person or try doing that, often it's, it's really positive to follow along with that um, in the belief yeah. that God is actually trying to communicate with you and steer you in particular directions, as, as I believe he does all the time. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's the voice that brings peace and calm. Yeah. And understanding yeah. is not the voice that says revenge or anger or it's, it's that other voice. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you so much. I loved hearing your story. It's been really a pleasure to talk with you, Peggy, and um, all the best. And, and hopefully we can get the word out there more and more as time goes by. Uh -huh. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.